Yes, folks, I'm Fred McMurray. It's Thursday at 2 p.m. Everything seems to be functioning. So it's time to kick off another interesting episode of... Woo! Happy Friday Eve. And we're flying solo today. My partner Elizabeth is off doing some other great marketing stuff. So welcome to Pillars of Franchising. We hope you're all having a great week. We've got a wonderful show for you today. We're talking to the franchisors of Owl Be There, a senior care franchise and an emerging brand, which is very exciting. So um, an emerging brand, for those of you who don't know, are typically franchisors that have less than 100 units. And we're going to talk through the show about the pros and the cons. And after we wrap up the interview with um, David and Laura Greenwood, we are going to do a million-dollar mentor panel discussion on our thoughts and our concerns and our loves and likes and whatnot of emerging brands. Um, and the big news this week for Pillars of Franchising is we finally broke through and got on Pandora Radio. So wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you listen to your music, you should now be able to find us. And I always like to call Pandora the Pandora's box because it's the only way I remember what the heck that channel is called. So if you like Pandora's box and you listen on Pandora, you can find us there at Pillars of Franchising. And Last but not least, remember to check out PillarsOfFranchising.com, our latest issue, the October anniversary issue of the Pillars of Franchise digital magazine. And here we go. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Laura and David Greenwood of Owl Media. It's such a pleasure to have you. It is a great pleasure to be here. So you guys started this business as a startup, standalone, locally owned, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, in 2013, uh, we decided to launch the local business, and we literally started it from scratch. And uh, we we have been working with seniors ever since. Uh, but at the time, uh, we just had a passion, a burning desire to make a difference uh, mm-hmm. in the senior space. And we have been uh, uh, doing uh, great things with seniors ever since. Well, we know know that seniors is a a huge growing population for us here in the States. But David, tell us a little bit about what exactly it is that I'll Be There does for the senior population today. I'll Be There helps seniors and their families navigate the maze of choice of assisted living, memory care, respite care, independent living, or home care options. So uh, basically, the passion that we bring to the table is uh, translated into guidance, wise care guidance to uh, families and uh, seniors that are in in need, often uh, some of the most uh, difficult situations that a 90 to 100-year-old person might find themselves in. Uh, Maybe they're facing Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. Lewy body dementia, or simply just a bad fall. Right. So we're, we come alongside them and lower their lower the family stress and help them get to optimal care. Well, I know that I've been through this not too long ago where um, they suddenly call you and say, hey, just want to let you know that in um, the next five or seven days, 
uh, Medicare runs out. Hmm. And what, what, well, what does that mean, right? Is that something that, that you would deal with, helping people be placed when a certain type of insurance runs out? Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, we are a crisis management solution poised to uh, help families that are put into a very difficult predicament. Uh, and we come alongside them. We listen carefully to the situation, the social, emotional, spiritual, financial, location, health requirements, time frame to move. And then we come up with a short list of recommendations, set up tours, either in person, virtually, or just arranging bedside options to come rehab or hospital, and then um, help them to choose a community that would be the optimal choice for them. Laura, can you tell us a little bit about, so you started as a local business, um, just you and David, at what point, what drove you and at what point did you decide to become a franchisor? Because that's a really big Yes, um, it's kind of an interesting story. So right at the beginning in 2013, it was mostly um, David getting out there, building relationships, and learning how to best serve that population. Um, I had said to him at one point when he was looking at a job, you're really good at senior population. You, you have such a great rapport with people in that, in that group. You should look for something there, and that kind of evolved into this, this service. Um, but prior to that, David had always wanted to do something in franchising, whether it was become a franchisee. Um, we have some extended family who've, who've been heavily involved in franchising. And so um, he was very familiar with it. I was not. So uh, it took a while for him to kind of convince me to open my mind to, to the business model. Um, he finally convinced me to take some courses uh, in franchise management, do the Georgetown course and, um, really get to understand the model. And then I could really see the potential for, um, for the business model, but also just an opportunity to help folks across the United States, not only in the senior space, but help get entrepreneurs um, up and off the ground. We're both MBAs, we have, we're business-minded, and we really have a heart for, for um, this kind of mission-driven business that helps people and helps people make a great living at the same time. Excellent. I think the interesting thing is when you are a founder and then, turned franchisor, no one can ever say, well, you've never done it because you had to do it to get to where you are, right? And mm -hmm. so I have to imagine, what is the process of finding a good franchisee? What do they look like to you? Where do they come from? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we look for in a franchisee is uh, someone who has a passion and a heart for seniors, but also a strong business acumen. Uh, one of the unusual things about I'll Be There is that we aren't just a, a group of uh, entrepreneurs trying to make a difference for, in people's lives, but we're also uh, uh, people that have a very detailed database that we're, we rely on and mm -hmm. uh, a very specific uh, process uh, to, that we equip our franchisees to leverage uh, to help seniors and their families. So. What we're looking for with franchisees is someone with uh, leadership experience, whether it be in the military or in the healthcare space, or, or uh, simply uh, so someone that uh, in the private sector that uh, or the government that that's really shown uh, a, an ability to help others uh, in the workspace, and also that they're good with um, 
um, you know, working with listening to and problem solving. Uh, but of course, uh, they also need to be good at uh, account management, sales collections, these kinds sure. of things as well. So there's, there's a variety of skill sets that we're looking for, but uh, sure. we have uh, a number of ways we find them. Now they have. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So I was just going to add it, and not just not just government or private sector, but maybe a leader in their community, maybe as a volunteer sure. or, or uh, even in their church, something like that. Someone that's comfortable with leading the conversation um, yep. and and coming alongside people and teaching and coaching and and um, and uh, having that two-way conversation. Now the one thing, actually, there's a couple things that I really enjoyed about um, your brand while I was um, doing research and helping match somebody to the brand. Um, and one of the things that I liked was um, the, it's a relatively low point of entry. Um, would you like to talk to that a little bit, Laura, in terms of franchisees and, and what what a franchisee gets for that franchise fee? Mm-hmm. Sure. So our, our franchise fee right now is, is um, just under $55,000, um, mm-hmm. and um, that's relatively low. We don't have a brick and mortar. It's a home-based opportunity. So you have uh, low overhead, low ongoing costs. Um, as uh, as a franchisor, we do a lot of um, mentor-based coaching and training. Uh, we do some initial training to get you on the ground as a fast start. Um, you will come to Northern Virginia and train with our executive team. And then uh, you go back and start developing your territory. And then there's another series of, of training steps after that that are really one-on-one mentor-based on-the-job style training uh, where you say, hey, I had this situation and, and we problem solve and it really works through it. So you become an expert in your own area. Um, we also provide, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a learning platform. We have, um, we help with SEO and local marketing. Okay. We uh, help with local uh, prospecting lists and uh, we have some national and regional relationships with some large uh, senior living um, groups that they will have access to to get them out to a fast start as well. Um, so there's a lot of lot of different marketing pieces and so on that they they work with us hand in hand on. Okay. Now, um, David, tell us about the model in terms of what kind of staffing might somebody need um, to open an LLB there. Say if you're going to open a, a metropolitan area. Right. So it's a great question, Kristen. Uh, the the I'll be there is really looking for franchisees to be owner operators. And so I think that in and of itself defines a lot of how uh, the staffing would go after that. Uh, the reason why it's so important for the uh, owner to, to also be an operator is they become the face of the business in their local territory. And they're, they're, it's, this is completely relationship based. Uh, so it's extremely important that, that there be, uh, not just a manager in place, but but the owner is is there and really shows their passion for seniors and, and a continuity of care over, over the years that they, that they run the business. Uh, beyond that, um, one or two senior living advisors is helpful, uh, but mm-hmm. not in the initial stages. Uh, we, we really want uh, our franchisees in the first three to nine months to really be uh, doing all aspects of the business um, with our support and coaching and mentoring, and then uh, um, perhaps uh, hiring a senior living advisor part-time after that, and uh, maybe in year two, year three, uh, a full-time, uh, first one senior living advisor full-time and possibly starting on hiring a second part-time senior living advisor. So the goal is uh, 
go light on uh, the overhead and uh, mm-hmm. stay, stay profitable. Okay. And, Laura, I have to imagine that, that you probably see a lot of benefits to being an emerging brand. Can you kind of talk to what a franchisee might enjoy uh, if they were to join an emerging brand like yours? Sure. Um, I, I think the most obvious thing is that um, we're not just an emerging brand. We actually are running our own business here. So part of the training is really um, you, you get to participate right alongside. And uh, we have so much energy because you're with the executive team that's doing this work all day, every day. So mm-hmm. you are, I mean, you can't get closer to the action than that. So uh, since we're emerging and, and still relatively small, we have, we have that uh, ability to, to just hand train everyone um, and meet their needs and fill any experience gaps and so on. Okay, excellent. And David, can you tell us a little bit about, are there markets that you folks are looking to go into right now? Are there markets that you're maybe not interested in? Right. We're, we're franchising and, and more than, we're offering franchise opportunities in more than 40 states. Uh, we're, we're looking to, for the first five franchisees to get outsized territories, typically in our, uh, a territory size might be 400,000 in population, but we're offering much larger sizes, the jumbo territories for the first five. Um, and, uh, you know, we're looking in, in uh, up and down the East Coast uh, at markets that uh, uh, in, in key metropolitan areas uh, that that are still available, um, whether it be in, in Florida or, um, you know, along the uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. Georgia. But um, the, the other thing is that uh, we are certainly open to setting up uh, franchisees much further away, uh, whether it be in Texas mm-hmm. or the Midwest, because uh, a lot of the training and support and mentoring can be done through uh, video conference technology. So it's not uh, like uh, they have to uh, be just just uh, within a few hundred miles of of our current operations to be able to get the kind of uh, support that they need. Sure. I have to assume that COVID taught us all that. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us what are some of the biggest things that set you apart from some of the other brands that are out there? Yeah. I mean, the the thing that sets us apart, um, first of all, is is that um, we are creating a uh, platform that is uh, second to none, uh, we, we really are uh, providing the gold standard for great advice in the senior space. Uh, the way we do that, uh, first of all, is we equip our franchisees, uh, as Laura talked about a moment ago, with uh, the best training uh, that, that they can get um, from our executive team. And uh, a lot of times um, in the industry, you might be trained by a trainer, but with our company, uh, you're, not, you're trained by uh, a cadre of uh, experts uh, in our uh, executive management team. So we have one person on our team that's really uh, a, a, an expert in at developing relationships for for finding new customers. Mm-hmm. And then we have another person on our team who's really an expert in understanding the matching process between the seniors and their needs and the facilities and their care capabilities. Okay. And then we have yet another person on our team that's really uh, an expert at helping families come to the optimal decision. And then finally, we have a a, a person on our team that's an expert in contracts and uh, getting in front of the right decision makers to extend your network 
of, of providers that you can offer in your in your local territory. So uh, that leads us to an important question, which is, how do we get paid? Um, we actually get paid by our communities, not by our by our uh, by the seniors. And this makes our business extremely attractive for franchisees that are looking to do a mission-driven business. Uh, it doesn't get better than helping the most marginalized of society, the, senior, the seniors in their 90s and 100s that may be really, really in need of care and guidance and help, but at the same time, not charging them a penny uh, is extremely uh, attractive and, and getting paid instead by the, the uh, community uh, that they ultimately get moved into so uh, or that they choose. So the, the beauty of the model is that we don't have to charge seniors, uh, but we still make a good living helping and the seniors don't get upcharged later or they'll get a charge pass, pass back to them later. Okay, so so basically they're helping people find the next step, the next place to go. And the people who are paying for that is that next home or place that they go to. So the facility pays the franchisee, not the senior. That's right, the provider pays the franchisee, the community, or the, or the home care provider. They, they're the ones that are ultimately footing the bill for all of this guidance and assistance, yes. That's excellent, okay. And do you find that it's hard to um, to get owner-operators as opposed to more of an investment-type um, franchisee who wants to maybe have somebody run the business for them? Have you run across that much? We get a lot of questions about that, right? Can we Can we be part, you know, partially active or just be an right. investor. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we have to say, no, um, it's not that type of business. So uh, is it more difficult? Yes, but we are looking for a specific type of person. So at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what's gonna build the brand. Well, and I do appreciate that because I remember with my candidate and um, in, in working with Stephanie and your development team talking mm -hmm. about the importance of the interview process and that the both of you needed to speak with this candidate and make sure that it felt like a good cultural fit. And I think that that is very important for people to understand because not all brands will agree to just take your money and let you have a, have the brand. It's not like that. You know, some people have a vested interest in protecting the brand and the culture and what the brand stands for. So I personally appreciate that. And I really think that it's probably um, something that will hopefully withstand throughout the brand's time. And uh, you'll continue to see more people um, own the brand that are like-minded. So um, yeah. we could go a lot faster if we didn't have that um, principle, but um, that it's really important to us you know, to maintain that quality and really become a brand that, that is the gold standard in advice. Absolutely. And so what kind of, what kind of um, process do you use to target these various markets right now? We're, we're doing a lot of things. We're doing, um, we're doing a lot of online advertising and social media. Um, we're doing things like pillars of franchising and getting the, getting the word out there of who we are and what we stand for and what we're looking for. So uh, we're also doing, um, some some communication work with different organizations um, of, of professionals who work with seniors themselves. So we're hoping to to put enough feelers out there that people start hearing the word and 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 getting to know us and and wanting to be a part of our family. Yeah, I'll tell you so far. You know, taking someone through this entire process, it's re it really is one of those um, 
brand that I think the more people learn about it, it's a, it's a really feel good brand, right? It's, a, it's mm. you just feel like you're doing something positive. Um, so I, I really, I really get excited about the brand. I have to be honest with you on that. Um, let's, let's talk about challenges. Are there any challenges that you that you have faced? Um, I mean, obviously, you turned into a franchisor in 2020. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm, that's you know. Well. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, the fact is that uh, a lot of um, people aspire to uh, run their own business. Um, not very many people aspire to uh, take on the the headaches of uh, setting up an FDD and working with lawyers and tax advisors and so forth. But we did, and we we love it because uh, the the challenges that come with franchising also have enormous um, rewards in terms of the the uh, the the sense of satisfaction that comes with helping uh, a business owner realize their dream. Right. And I can't tell you enough uh, how much we love to see entrepreneurs realizing their 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 calling in life. And a lot of these uh, franchisees that we've been working with, like uh, Luann Martinson, uh, down in Charlotte, or uh, Casey Ryerson up in Maryland. Uh, you know, these are people who uh, have always had a, a desire to work with seniors in different ca capacities, but they ultimately wanted to own their own business. They, they, and so we're able to let them stand on their own and yet support them in a myriad of ways uh, so that they can be independent, but at the same time, uh, well-equipped and uh, constantly getting uh, additional support as needed in real time. Okay. And Laura, I have to think that this is probably a really great brand for um, somebody who maybe is in a, um, a dual income situation or maybe one of them has a professional job and the other one, maybe the kids are growing back to school and decides that this is something that really interests them. Is that kind of like an ideal situation rather than um, Maybe somebody just this is the job to support the family right out of the gate. Yeah, it's 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 a great job either way, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it does help if it's. I mean, getting any business started, there's there's a ramp up time, right? Yeah. Ours is relatively short compared to some, you know, very large brick and mortar type of a business. But uh, at the same time, it just helps not to um, for the franchisee not to feel you know, desperate that they have, they have to make it work right now um, because it is relationship building and it takes a little bit of time to get in the door and, and, and get face to face and, and do that. We'll teach you how, but it right. still takes a little bit of time. Um, but I'll tell you what, for, for someone who um, is an empty nester, perfect, perfect opportunity or someone who has kids in school, even flexible schedule, you can go pick them up. I do that. I go pick up my kids, you know, um, I go volunteer for lunch lunch duty I'm a lunch lady so you know you just have the freedom to do that in a job like this where you can set your own schedule and work from home yeah I'll tell you that's why I joined franchising just for that very reason to be able to do all those mom things yeah. and still have a career too so yeah. how can David Laura whoever um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in the I'll be there opportunity David 
Well, they can first of all, they can dial our, our phone number, 218-OWL-CARE. Uh, it's 218-O-W-L-C-A-R-E. Uh, they can also, of course, go to our website, I'llBeThereFranchising.com. Uh, I'llBeThereFranchising.com has a plethora of uh, resources available to learn more uh, about the opportunity. Um, they can, of course, just email either Laura or I directly at um, our david.greenwood at i'llbethere.com or laura.greenwood at i'llbethere.com. Uh, but we, we love to hear from prospective franchisees, uh, people that are just wanting to explore more about the opportunity. Uh, but I think the unique thing about I'll Be There is that this is really a calling not only to help seniors, but for our, for, as a franchisor, to equip uh, entrepreneurs to realize their, their, their vision in life, their dream, their, their, their calling. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what? You've got a great development gal working with you, Stephanie. I have to tell you, she's absolutely fabulous working with me. And she really does believe in the brand. So anybody who's interested, I know that's, that's, she's a really great partner to have. So um, obviously we'll have all of your contact information on the Pillars of Franchising page. And I am so excited to help people open these um, businesses across the U.S. And I want to thank you both for your time. And as you continue to grow, just know that we will be calling you again to have you come back in and give us some updates. And uh, we look forward to seeing you emerge into 100 plus cat into 100 plus um, companies here. And we wish you all the best of luck. Well, thank a great you. opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Hey, hey. Hey. What do I have with me now? Yeah. The three years. <laughs> you, you have Jerry and the lovely Karen. So, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah, I said three musketeers, you know. Hey. <laughs> hey, so what do you guys think? What a cool, what a cool, cool concept, huh? Definitely, definitely. I loved, I loved some of the, you know, when you think about emerging brands and what, what I like is that, they're, they're really thinking about culture, what kind of culture they want to have. I think sometimes a lot of franchises or franchisors don't think about that. It's like, let's just get, let's get people doing it, right? It's more about, about kind of the money and who's interested. And I like it. They're really taking a look at that, um, that, cult, that culture fit, because that's really going to help, I think, build the type of brand. Yeah, I think you're right, because sometimes people think we'll just get it all out there and sort it out later. But by then you have 32 different cultures and it's really hard to go back and try to corral it all together. Jerry, what are you? Yeah, do you find it hard to believe that the first thing Karen talks about is the culture of the company? I mean, I know. who would have guessed, right? <laughs> you know, I knew that was going to be one of the first things she said. 
You did, well, didn't you? Yeah. You know, you asked some great questions of our guests, and I, I want to follow up on that a little bit um, because I'm the guy that builds large organizations, so I'm not a fit, and I get it. But they're very clear in their conversations with potential franchisees as to what they're looking for and what that future looks like and, and yep. all of the heart-based reasons that you would go with that model. And I think, I think Laura's comments about perhaps a stay-at-home mom doing it and still being able to work with the children and, and like yeah. you, Kristen, be able to go to kids' ball games and all those kinds of things. I think this is just a phenomenal mix of the really, really small models that, you know, like, you know, selling food from a cart or something like that, that are out there. And the big ones where you can buy all kinds of them, this is a really nice group right in the middle there. And, and I was quite taken with it, I guess. Well, and you know, the thing is, Jerry, what I love about this is I'm like, oh, I have to tell this girlfriend about it. You know, my girlfriends yep. are like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out about work and I have to travel again and they have kids. And I'm like, okay, A, it's a low investment. B, it is scalable because you don't have to be the only one, right? As you continue to grow and depending on your personality, I mean, who doesn't like going out and talking to people? Okay, not everyone, right? But I love the idea of going out and just being in the community and meeting people and, and who doesn't want to help other people, right? I mean, to me, it's like when I started learning about the concept, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a good thing I can't possibly do another thing in my life. Right? Because I find these brands and I'm like, oh, I want to buy one of those, right? Yeah. Well, Kristen, you know, me being the connector guy with IFA and everything that I do, I'm as they're talking, I'm going through my list of people that I would like to introduce them to that might yeah. be able to, you know, for instance, Don Chen, the broker who whose heart is in these emerging brands and, yeah. and the whole heart-based stuff, you know, I think he and they would just get along phenomenally. Of course, the yeah. lender that I talked about before and anything to kind of help them as they go along this path, because just like you just said, you know, I, I'm always looking for a new job. This one doesn't have to be one of them, but who can I help connect them with? that will help yeah. get it to another group of people out there that it would be a good fit for. Sure. Now let's talk about, so emerging brands and not this one necessarily, but not all emerging brands are for everybody, right? And Karen, we know that not all personalities right. or not all types fit an emerging brand. So what type of person do you think is not probably the right fit for an emerging brand? You know, you know what, I've, what I've seen, if someone wants complete systems, Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, my gosh, I've got to have a complete system. They want to have all the I's dotted, the T's crossed. I think yep. sometimes that's that's probably not good because emerging, it, it is, it's more, it's an entrepreneurial, right? Right. And so if you're more of, you kind of are in a more of like in a, I want to have this in a box. I want to figure this out. I think that's good. I think also um, people that, that, that emerging brands might not be good for are people that aren't as entrepreneurial, right? That, that they're. You know, that they, again, they, they, they want to have it figured out. They want to know the market. They want to understand things. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's one of the things. They just want to have it. And also with the support. And I know Lauren David was very impressed, very impressed with what they talked about with the support that they had. Some emerging brands don't have that type of support. They have right. less support. And so if you, if you are, if you're uncomfortable kind of, not being able to figure it out, if you need to have it figured out for you, I would think an emerging brand would not be a way to go to. 
And I also think, you know, you were talking about being out there in the community and all that. A lot of times the more traditional brands, they already have the brand, right? The brand's yeah. out there. There's brand recognition. So if you're someone that's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to have to explain this or build something new. I want to have it set for me. I think that's also a key as well. Yeah, that's very, that's very true. Can I, can I tag on with uh, Karen on that? Because she was spot on with her comments. And, and uh, for me, it's kind of the big three when I talk about emerging brands. Because, frankly, being a part of Pillars has introduced me to a lot more emerging brands. And it's literally changed, you know, my thought process with some of those. So this has been an educational process with me as well. But the big three still stand out. And this is what sets, I think, a great emerging brand apart from one that one that might be in the 600 that fail every year that IFA talks about, you know, 600 new ones, six of them that fail, 600 fail and so on. So here's the big three for me. Support is one of the number one things. Karen touched on that. And mm-hmm. uh, what I find as I consult with so many potential franchisees as well as emerging brands is that um, the potential franchisees don't know what they don't know at this point in time. So true. They don't even know the right questions to ask. So many of them, we can talk about the entrepreneurial spirit, but at the same time, you can have that entrepreneurial spirit and you still need somebody to explain how to set up a great operation, how to hire people, maybe how to price your products. I mean, there's a long list, how to pick real estate. It's just a long list of things that a lot of people are not going to be set to do and they're going to need help. And then who do you call with the questions? Because if the infrastructure isn't built with an emerging brand, they're going to have to stop and think about how to answer that question. You may or may not get a great answer. Yeah. So number two on that list is uh, suppliers. And, you know, many of the emerging brands are going to, and I always use restaurants, you know, you opened a restaurant, it was successful. You opened a couple more, they were doing really well. You franchised. Well, when your next franchisee wants to find out who to go to for a supplier, you turn them on to your supplier that supplies your restaurant, which might not be a good fit for them because of geography or pricing or availability, a long list of things. And the third one is for me, maybe the biggest one, and that's risk. Because like it or not, with emerging brands, you just don't have as much track record as you do with, you know, longer serving, bigger brands, those kinds of things. It doesn't have to be a negative thing, but you just have to be able to quantify it and understand it and be prepared for whatever might come down the path, because that will be a question your banker is going to ask sure. is about the number that are out there and, you know, how long they've been around and things like that. So those are some things you have to be prepared for with an emerging brand. Well, Jerry, let's take the other side of that same coin. Tell me how you would get prepared. Let's say you're one of our listeners out there and you're like, oh, my God, you know what? My passion is all about this. I want to do an emerging brand. How do you start to build a business case for yourself to go to the bank and say, hey, listen, I need some money. This is what I'm going to do. Well, uh, one of the things, two things I'll touch on to start with, and I got a big one. Number one is, and Laura touched on it, was uh, the low uh, pricing, the low involvement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next piece would be the fact that this is one of the fastest growing segments of the especially healthcare needs in the world right sure. now is is uh you know for for us with gray in our hair and beyond and so on so uh you know if i were going to the bank i would take a pro forma it would be based primarily on what uh what metrics are out there as far as how fast this is growing there would be a lot of information i haven't googled it so i can't quote anything right now but the bottom line is 
there would be a lot of information about uh, where it's been, where it's going, what the future looks like for, um, you know, people in that space. And mm-hmm. that, would, uh, that would give bankers a lot of comfort knowing that it's yeah. going to continue to grow and be successful. The low entry point for I'll be there is, uh, in particular in this case, would fit really well into the pro forma. And as a subset of that, the low operating costs because of being home-based and, and some of those kinds of things. Uh, and, and then I think the last thing, still have a heart, whether they want to admit it or not. Sometimes it's in a little locked box and you got to get the key to unlock it, but they still have it. Uh, many of my best friends, including one of my brothers, is a banker, so I think I can get away with that. Um, but the way that in particular I will be there is set up, but in, in a larger sense, I think the elderly care part of it, if yeah. you are able to show that you have a heart for that, it's really your passion, you're in it for the long haul, I think that goes a long way. So you will have to have metrics and numbers to defend your case because that's what they count on. And the fact that you're all engaged would be the, I think, the frosting on that presentation. Yeah, I love the engagement piece because, you know, a lot of times it's, and they were even talking about that, where it's, I mean, Lauren David were, where it's, it's the engagement piece. And it's tying a little bit about your, kind of your purpose, right? making sure that your purpose and you can show your purpose connects in. And I know mm-hmm. bankers do, as you mentioned, Jerry, they do look at a lot of the financials and everything, but there are some of those added pieces that they also take a look at as well. Yeah. Sometimes it's a matter of sharing a bit of your story, right? Yeah. Why? Yeah. I mean, yeah. My, my banker, well, my bankers, plural, they know me pretty well and they know I'm not going to come and make an emotional plea to them because it's not in, my DNA uh, because it's all business to me. So my presentation would be all about numbers and metrics and growth potential and those kinds of things. But having worked with these bankers for a long time, I know that a big piece for that first franchise that you're going to buy, and I'm going to take a flyer on this. I want to quit my job and go do it. It's going to be the engagement piece, as Karen mentioned, and, and, and following your passion coupled with. Yeah. the financial piece. So you know, yeah. room for both. I was going to say also, don't you think that, that when, when they're taking a look at it, even though you're looking at your franchise that you're buying and even it's emerging brand, there are a few taking a look and sharing the, the, uh, the few that have preceded you, whether it's, right. uh, you know, because like with Lauren David, they, they've actually, they did one, they have success. So showing that success to say, okay, this has worked here. It's worked a couple of different places. Is one of mm-hmm. the things I would do too, and kind of bring that into the picture. I also think too, looking at the franchisor's experience, experience levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a franchisor could have had experience in another franchise system or two before they started this one, and that would be a part of the discussion with the banker, especially if they're a little hesitant with an emerging brand. So uh, you're right, spot on again, uh, Karen. So I, w- I would take all that information to them. Um, I think it's in this particular case, if there's only a handful of franchisees, having had one-on-one conversations with them, perhaps even asking them if you can share some of their numbers with your banker to show what they have gone through, how long did it take, uh, take them to reach break even, what does their profits right. look like six or 12 months later, you know, those right. kinds of things, that's how bankers run, so um, spot on. Well, I really do like the fact that this is truly a recession-proof business. And, you know, just like so many other things, um, we never know what's going to happen, right? So whether it's the economy, whether it's a pandemic, you know, I think that when you talk about risk, Jerry, 
you know, you're talking low point of entry, you're talking relatively re recession proof. I mean, people are always going to grow older. You're always going to need some type of care. It's just really not a whole lot that could really go wrong unless you have the wrong fit. And that's where that cultural piece, and I was glad to hear them say it's money doesn't buy this brand. It's not just about the money. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if we take it into a bigger picture, um, you know, the emerging brands have so much power. You know, a couple things come to mind. Number one, many times an emerging brand has a lower entry point than uh, a, a large brand because the larger brand can get whatever they want for their for their system, right? That's yeah. the, They're the big elephant in the closet so they can get away with it. So there's a financial piece to that that you can take to your bank if you couple it numbers based on the elephant in the room and what they've done over the last few years and the fact that, you know, the other piece of information I would take to my banker is how big is that market? So the two or three elephants in the room share, you know, 30% of the market, which means there's 70% out there. And now I'm an emerging brand that I'm buying into, uh, which means I'm going to get into that other 70%. And by the way, I might charge less for my services because I got in for less. I mean, there's a whole financial equation that can go into that that will defend buying an emerging brand. Okay. And by the way, the emerging brands sometimes have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder against the big elephants, too. So <laughs> they will have many of their presentations that they make to a potential franchisee, you can extrapolate from and use that in your presentation to your lender about why this one versus the elephant in the room. What's, what's the differences? What makes it attractive, not only the financial piece, but the other things that they've figured out that the big one may not even care about at this point in right. time. So a lot of really powerful things you can use to, to decide to buy an emerging brand and also defend that to your lender. Excellent. Karen, do you have any closing thoughts on the emerging brands? Just a couple of things I thought that, that we didn't touch upon. So many times I think people like emerging brands, but there's some people that do because, you know, I, I have a, one of my colleagues um, owns several franchises and when he started out, I mean, I think they had maybe like three franchises in the United States. And he loved it because he felt like he was on the ground floor. He was helping build it. So then as it grew, he was part of it. He had access to the owners. And, and he said he just, he felt like not only did he learn, he grew. And he was part of really helping to shape it. And that's yeah. also, I think, a, a big plus of being part of a, an emerging brand. Yeah, I like that idea, too. Yeah, there's so much to go with that, Karen. I mean, um, you develop a different relationship with a franchisor in that case because you're solving their problems as well and the problems for other franchisees in their system and also maybe adding to their, their marketing department and the, sure. the, the information they're taking out to the market to attract more franchisees. So you have a different relationship, a very positive relationship. You're also helping to build it. Um, in my opinion, because I'm a part of two of the largest brands in their category in the world, um, when you contribute to that system and you're engaged at a very high level, it creates a different opportunity for you moving forward. And with large brands, sometimes it's more dif difficult to carve out that niche for yourself with right. the leadership. But with an emerging brand, it's actually really, really easy because they're welcoming your yeah. input. They're mm -hmm. welcoming any help that you can turn around and send their way as opposed to them sending it your way. And most of us as franchisees come into franchising with a wealth of corporate experience. We have developed a reputation of being really strong in marketing or operations or, you know, the accounting side of it or something like that. 
And when you bring that wealth of knowledge and experience to an emerging brand, they may tap into your experience to help supplement what they already have identified yeah. that they don't have. So tremendous opportunities to build that relationship. Well, and I think, Jerry, you know, with, with this brand, I did, I did learn, um, and, and Laura had reminded me, that they do have a founder circle advisory council. So if you're one of the, the founding franchisees, you really get to contribute. And she brought it up also, or David did in the interview, the nice thing right now, when you're in an emerging brand, you really have some flexibility in territory size. And people might think, oh, you know, well, what does that mean? That's huge because that's your future scalability. You know, that allows you to go from having, you know, 200,000 uh, territory, 200,000, I'll call them households, um, to 400,000. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. So, um, you know, I, listen, you know, I think we've all kind of shared our points of view and, and there's not a clear cut, you know, go to the emerging brand or don't go to the emerging brand. I think that everybody needs to be well educated as we've talked about on this show a million times before. And uh, if you have a favorite emerging brand out there and you'd like us to talk about it, have them on the show, please let us know at collegeoffranchising.com. We love, 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 love talking to these emerging brands and finding out what makes them different, what makes them special. Um, and by all means, again, share those favorite brands with us so we can have them on the show. Um, and with this, we got to pay the bills. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at franchiseshow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have calling guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. And we want to thank you all for joining us on the show today with our guests, David and Laura Greenwood of I'll Be There. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Don't forget we're now on Pandora. And thank you to Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentor, Karen Kinsey Ford, our Leadership Guru, Fred McMurray, our Producer, and I'm Kristen Shalmessi. And together, we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. Have a great week.